the journey and its adventures. And this is the last installment of this series. And this is the quote that I had journaled a while back. Knowing God is the main storyline of the journey and is the greatest of adventures. And so last week, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, the journey and adventure of prayer. Prayer, and, and remember, I tied, Anthony was prayer, and I tied a rope to him. If you weren't here, I tied a rope to him, and prayer was my anchor. And so as I got away from prayer, prayer would pull me back. And so then, but if I let go of that rope, at some point, I'm floating mid-about wherever, who knows where, and uh, I, I'm just not centered or anchored in God. Prayer is an anchor. And prayer is such an amazing tool that God has given us to communicate with Him. And it, it's the greatest weapon we have outside of the Word of God, but the most not used. Because we talk about prayer, don't we? I'll be praying for you, brother. Really? Seriously? You're, are you really going to write that down and pray for me? So, so over here, we have some torture devices. And all this stuff is in my garage, right? And, and Rain and I work out in the garage. This is called a hell bell. It's actually called a kettlebell. But I would refer to it otherwise. And so you do amazing, stupid things with this. This is a box that the folks at Trinity Fitness were so sweet to build for me. Sweet, I use that lightly. And so you jump on this thing over and 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 over again. And so here's a mat that you lay down on and you do sit-ups or crunches or whatever. And then here, here's some barbells, right, that you take and you might press them over your head or whatever. And then... Here, here's a wall ball, right? And you take this and do a squat and throw it up on the wall. And, yeah, for all of you people who are sadistic enough to be at Trinity Fitness, they'll tell you, pick a spot. Pick a spot on the wall. So my spot is just getting the ball out of my hands. <laughs> but so Rain and I created this workout place in our gym where all this stuff is, in, in our garage, I'm sorry, where all this stuff is. And we, I've got a clock and some other stuff. I couldn't bring it this morning. However, that stuff right there can sit in that garage. It may sit for days. So if, if I don't take advantage of this stuff, the longevity of my life is not going to be extended and my health is not going to be better if I don't take advantage of that stuff. But it's there. It's in my garage. However, when I do use it, I know that I'm bettering myself and I know that there is longevity coming into my life for as long as God sees fit in case, unless I die doing it. <laughs> Seriously, working out in a garage in, in Melbourne Beach, was, yeah, it's not fun. So I, I have this whole idea and there's a jump rope right here, get your cardio going and all kinds of stuff. So I have this whole idea of this equipment that is available to me on a daily basis. And after I use it, I feel better, right? Yeah, you, you, the day goes better. It, it, but if I don't use it, it sits idly by and can, it just dust. 
That's what prayer is. Come on, man. Prayer. The journey and adventure of prayer. Prayer is this amazing thing that God, this avenue, this tool that God's given us to connect with Him, to see mountains moved, to see things in our life that we never thought could be possible come to fruition. Prayer is an anchor. It's a stability that God has allowed us to have with Him. Prayer is so important. How many times do we leave it in the proverbial garage? I'm telling you, when I don't work out in the morning, I don't even go out the garage because I feel guilty. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't look at that stuff. I'm like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going out that way. It's, it's not happening right now. Prayer. And when I don't pray, the more I don't pray, the, more I f- the less I feel like praying. You know what I'm saying? You get that? The, uh, yeah, so you, you come into this place of going, God, help me every day of my life to connect with you from my heart, soul, and spirit through your word and through prayer. So the journey and adventure of prayer, and, and we looked last week at, at the Lord's Prayer. And so maybe you're here today and you'd say, I don't know how to pray. Anybody ever felt like that? Well, this is the early service, so you all are perfect. <laughs> I asked that question last week in the third service, and everybody raised their hand. I don't know. <laughs> don't tell them I said that. Well, you're in good company because the disciples themselves said, Lord, how should we pray? Like, how should we pray right now? And, and so this is the Lord's response. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, how would be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's where we stopped last week. Let's keep going. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Wow. So this is not just a ritual that we would do every day. This is, this is a roadmap for how Jesus is telling the disciples to pray. And in this roadmap, you get so many different avenues to talk to God. So let, let's get going. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive me, God. We've talked before, confession to God, not to anyone else, but to God, should be a part of our everyday spiritual life. Confessing to God. He already knows, but what it does is it cleanses our soul. And it keeps us in a close proximity to reality of how God sees us. God, you know I'm a sinner. Because you know everything. You already know. And so, but right now, I need to identify in my own heart things that are going on in my life that I know are not in, in, in they're not, they're not genuine with you, God. And so I'm confessing this and I'm telling you I'm sorry. Because there's not one of us in this room right now that can say that you, will, you go a whole day without sinning. Can you? No, we can't. We, Job says we sin like sparks fly upwards. We sin because we're human. And so a really, really unbelievable, awesome place in the journey of prayer is coming into that reality of, I know I'm not perfect. God, your word tells me I'm not perfect, but you are perfect. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, 
I'm going to rinse myself every day through prayer and confession. Doesn't mean that I can go and do whatever I want to and just wake up the next day and say, Oh, I'm terrible, God, you know. That's not what that's about. That's about the reality of knowing that God can forgive us. Let's look at this next scripture. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Wow. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So in other words, I have a part to play in that forgiveness. And my part is to confess my sins. And, and that, again, that's not, that's not to someone else unless you're accountable to someone in a certain area of your life. That's just to God. I'm talking to God. Ephesians says it this way. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Forgiveness comes through God's grace. God's grace was formulated through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ gave us that grace through dying on the cross. So the forgiveness has already been paid for. Yet we have a part to play in in that we go to God in prayer and say, God, look, I know you already know this is going on in my life, but, and it's hard. It's hard. And it hurts sometimes. And it's heavy sometimes. And we don't want to recognize it sometimes. So we go out the front door of life instead of through the garage and we need to act like it didn't happen. When we know better. When we know that we need to deal with this issue in our life and that we failed again. And God already knows that. But, but we come and say, God, could you forgive me of that? And I'm going to do my dadgum best today. I'm going to keep moving forward. And then keep going, Kim. Number two, help me to forgive others. Now, when Jesus is telling the disciples this, he understands that he's leaving the church, the New Testament church, in their hands. But it's such an applicable prayer because it, it's, it has to do with everyday life. Matthew six twelve, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, God, forgive me for where I fall short from your word. And help me to forgive others where they fall short and hurt me. This is a tough one right here. Because you can work through the Lord's Prayer and you can be, mm, I got this, I got this. And all of a sudden you can say, as I forgive others. And then, bam, that person comes up in your mind. That angst. They hurt you. They did you wrong. They stabbed you in the back. They walked out on you. They abused you. That's where, this is where it really gets real. And, and, and Jesus is telling the disciples, you've got to pray this way because people are going to do all those things to you. But if you're going to ask Jesus to forgive you, if you're going to ask God to forgive you, then you have to be willing to forgive others. And that's so hard. Especially when people hurt you or hurt the ones closest to you. Forgiveness, remember, forgiveness does not make what someone else did right. It makes you right. It doesn't justify someone who hurt you. It justifies you. And I, I know that if we all, and, and I, had to, I had to walk this out just last week in my life. Someone very close to me, that they made me so mad. Like mad, mad. Like I, I don't think I'd ever been this mad. I didn't say angry. 
I said, mad. And I know none of you get mad. And I went to them and said, look, I've been mad at you, but I want to tell you, I forgive you. And I'm asking you to forgive me for being mad at you. And you know what? I felt better. And I'm not mad anymore. I felt better. So who in your life do you need to forgive? And forgiveness is a process, right? Forgiveness is a a major process. But that's what the Lord told the disciples. This is how you pray. Keep going, Kim. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow. Matthew says it this way. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. This is heavy right here. This is heavy. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We can just stop and pray if y'all want to. That's the Word of God. That's the infallible Word of God. And, and human nature says it this way. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, you don't know how bad they hurt me. Well, you don't know that what, what I've suffered because of that person. Maybe I don't. But the Word of God says you've got to forgive them. Forgiveness is a process, and you work it out, and you keep working it out. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's heavy, isn't it? So say you're in a marriage and you're trying to work it out. One of, the, one of the main tools the enemy uses to keep a marriage from reconciling is unforgiveness. It's holding on to that bitterness in your heart because of what your spouse did in that marriage. And then every time the Holy Spirit begins to work and it seems like it's going good, you get that angst and you're just mad. You're just mad because of what they did. Not saying that what they did was right. I don't know. I'm just saying that it's a tool the enemy uses to keep marriages from reconciling and moving forward and life being good because of the unforgiveness. As in any relationship. Some of you sitting in this room right now have siblings that you haven't talked to in forever because you're mad at them. And that's so sad. Well, you don't know what they did. Don't. I don't. But you know what? If that's in your heart, it's not, it's not genuine with the Word of God. We have to forgive other people. It doesn't mean they have to be your best friend, but you have to forgive them. Because when you forgive someone that's done you wrong, it doesn't make what they did right. It makes you right. Wow. Let's keep going. Number three, help me with temptation. How many can identify with this one? Can I get a witness? Help me, help me with temptation and do not lead us into temptation. The first part of verse 13, and and you get into this area of being led into temptation. The Bible doesn't say, Jesus didn't tell the disciples, don't let me be tempted. Just don't lead me into temptation. 
In other words, keep me away from areas of my life where I'm going to be tempted. Keep me outside of temptation. Keep me so far away. Don't lead me. God, please do not allow my flesh to lead me into temptation today. See, temptation is always there. It's, a, it's an obscure thought in our minds because we're flesh. But the more we read our Bible, the more we pray with God, the more that we walk with God, it, it's, it's a foreign concept to us. It stays out there, right? But when we, when we don't read our Bible, when we don't pray on a daily basis, we put ourselves, our flesh, because what you feed the longest becomes the strongest, Right? So if I, I feed my spirit man every day, then my spirit man is going to roar in the face of temptation. However, when I don't feed my spirit man, we already know the flesh is strong. We know that. We, I mean, because we're all human. The Bible teaches us that. And so then my flesh wants to lead me into areas of my life, and then I'm tempted to enter into temptation. I'm going to enter into that cave of temptation. It's a, it's a willing choice that I make to enter into that temptation. And all of a sudden, I start looking around going, man, this is awesome. Wow, this is great. And my flesh is gratified. And I'm thinking, man, this is, this is cool. And then when it's over, I feel like crap. Because I know that I know that I know that I know that I shouldn't have went there. But I did anyway. Because I've been feeding the flesh instead of pumping up my spirit man. And so Jesus is looking at the disciples. These are the, these are the men who are credited with spreading the gospel all over the known world at that time. And he's looking at them because you would think, and this is so awesome. This just flies in the face of religion right here. Because some people look at, certain people who have certain status and go, they're never tempted. They don't have any problems. Oh. So stupid. Don't ever put any person on a pedestal. Only Jesus, because he was perfect. And so Jesus is looking at the disciples and going, hey, you need to pray this way, because I'm telling you, you're going to be tempted. Peter, you're going to go, and I'm paraphrasing, Peter, you're going to go into that town and do a miracle, and then all of a sudden you're going to have roadies. You're going to have all these, all these little girls coming around. Oh, 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 oh. Paul, you're going to get on that plane and go to a, a foreign town to plant a church, and you're going to be all alone, and nobody's going to know where you're at. Are you going to do whatever you want to, or are you going to do what you know is right? That's what Jesus is telling them. So we can't, we can't forget that he's looking at the disciples. They said, how should we pray? This is how you should pray. Lead us not into temptation. How can we do that? Look at this next verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You need to write this down. This is a life verse. This is a verse right here that will stop you from whining. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
Stop whining. Quit. Well, you just don't know how bad I struggle with that. And no one else knows because no one else has ever struggled with that. What is common to mankind. Get over it. We all struggle. But the Bible is giving me a remedy here. And it's saying God's faithful. And he's going to provide a way out so that you can endure that temptation. So I don't have to enter into that temptation. I can, I can endure it. One of the first things they'll ever teach you in, in, in personal defense is create a barrier immediately between you and someone who's trying to harm you. Immediately. Unless you got a gun, then you just shoot them. But <laughs> immediately. You, you create a barrier, bam, so that you can assess the situation. And so, so I have to create a barrier in my spirit to temptation. And the way I do that is I constantly pray every day. God, don't let me be led into temptation today, especially on the days where I'm weak, especially on the days where I'm tired, especially on the days where maybe you caught double flights and you've been flying for 24 hours, and then you got to show up to a hotel in a foreign place or somewhere, and you're weak. You're just weak. you got to create that barrier. Bam. Lead me not in temptation. But because, God, you're faithful. You are faithful. And you're going to give me what I need to endure this temptation. Let's just call it what it is. We're all tempted in certain areas of our life. I'd hate to go to a church where a pastor never talked about being tempted. Because Jesus talked to the disciples about it. We're all tempted. But God's faithful. And you can endure it. Let's keep going, Kim. Protect me, Father. I, I chose those three words because we all long for that. We all long, we're created that way. We all long for the perfect Father that will protect us. And if you have kids, you strive to be that. But none of us are perfect. But God is. Protect me, Father, but deliver us from the evil one. Speaking of the devil, what's his face? I don't even like to say his name. In other words, God, I'm going to pray every day, God, for the plans the enemy has for me. And it's interesting that temptation and the evil one are in the same sentence. Testing comes from God. Temptation comes from the enemy working through our flesh. Did you hear that? So if you're being tested in an area of your life, quite possibly God's just trying to grow you. Temptation, God, God's not going to tempt you. He will test you. But deliver us from the evil one. So in other words, I'm going to pray every day of my life, God, could you please hide me? Could you please help me today? I'm feeling a little bit weak today. Anybody ever wake up on Mondays feeling just a little bit like I don't want to do this? Our Tuesday. Our Wednesday. Our Thursday. I mean, you ever just wake up and, and say, say to yourself, Oh, man, 
Because my mind works at a rapid rate. And so I, uh, 4.30, usually 4.30 I, I wake up. And it, it's not because I set an alarm, I assure you. But I just, and, and I'm exhausted before I even get out of bed. And you think about all the things you have to do that day. But do we ever think to say, God, let your will be done in my life today. And could you please keep what's-his-face away from me today? Could you, would you do? And Jesus is telling the disciples this. And it's so simple. It's such an amazing formula that will lead you into a trusting relationship with God. Because Jesus knew what the disciples were up against. Yet, he's telling them, look. Yes, you're the disciples. Yes, you're going to do miracles. Yes, okay. But people are going to read about you thousands of years later. Da, 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 da. Yeah, we all know this. Peter, you're going to heal people. But yeah. Da, da, da. Hey, by the way, you need to pray every day that God's power keeps the enemy away from you. You need to pray that over your marriage. You need to pray that over your kids. Do you know every day of your life, you, hey, if you're not praying for your children, who is? Who is? Remember last week we asked the question, who's praying? Who's really praying? Deliver us from the evil one. You look at Psalms 911, which is very interesting. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Wow. I don't have time to go through that whole chapter. But just that right there. Deliver me, Lord. Protect me. Let me hide myself. I'm going to dwell. I'm going to get inside of your shelter. Do you know that the Congress, congressmen of the United States and women the day after 9-11, stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and they weren't talking about agendas. They were quoting this. You can Google it and find it. They were actually... See, because here's the deal. When we realize how much we need God's protection and our silicone life actually goes away and we're stripped bare and realize, I am just human, I am just flesh... Every day we should realize that. Every day we should realize, you know what, God? I need you. I need your protection. I need you to cover me. I need to hide myself in you. And not, on, not just on bad days, every day of my life. Even when you wake up whistling Dixie. Everything's good. Money's in the bank. Everything's going great. I still should pray. Deliver me from the evil one, God. Protect me today. Help me hide myself in you today. Every day. This is what Jesus is telling the disciples. Deliver us from the evil one. Last thing. God, help me realize your greatness. So Matthew 6, the uh, second part of 13, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
How many days do we go without realizing God's greatness? Without really pondering how awesome God is? Without taking that time to to stop for a moment and say, God, let me just think about how great you are. See, Jesus is telling the disciples this is how you should pray because he knows the predicaments they're going to get themselves in. He understands the trials and tribulation and the perseverance they're going to have to have. And every day, when every day of my life, if I realize how great God is, then I realize how small my problems are and I can keep doing what God's called me to do. Right? God, help me to realize your greatness for your... Yours is the kingdom, it's everything, and the power. You have all power, you're almighty God, and the glory. Your glory is all-encompassing forever. Amen. That word amen means so be it. Done. There is no resolution or discussion on God's greatness in this prayer. Done. So, I believe I have time. I want to take you over to Job. In Job 38, I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but I, I encourage you to write it down and read it this week. So this is Job. Job's going through a hard time. Job's, and, and, and his friends are telling him to just, just quit on God. And his wife actually tells him, why don't you just curse God and die? And so Job starts buying into it. And so Job starts whining. Just a tad. He starts whining a little bit. And if anybody had the right to whine, it was Job. I mean, he lost everything. So God comes and says these words. He says, brace yourself. I will question you, and you will answer. That's intense. That's like when you're eight years old and you know you did something wrong, your dad comes in and says, brace yourself. (laughs) So God's... God goes down this, this list of things, and it, it's actually, it's unbelievable. And so, right now, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So this is a snippet of who God is. And he's talking to Job, and he's talking to us. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Now, you get God's kind of being sarcastic right here, right? Like Job's getting a little, yeah. On, on what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone? While in the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed the limits for it and set its doors and bars in places. When I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shapes like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. 
What is the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside? Can you take them, take them to their places? Do you know the path to their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses? Oh, I love this. Have you entered the storehouses of snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed? Are the place where the east winds are scattered over all the earth? And I could go on and on with this. I just don't have time. Read Job 38 this week. It will humble you. And it will humble you to the point where you realize how awesome God is. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Done. Amen. This last verse we'll look at right here in Colossians. 215. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. For his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jesus conquered the world, conquered sin for us, made a way for us to spend eternity with that God we just read about in Job forever. And ever and ever. Amen. So that's a question I got for you today. I don't know all of you here. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you even started the most exciting journey? And that's the journey of salvation. We talked about it three or four weeks ago. If you haven't, today is a wonderful day to do that. How do I do that, Jason? Salvation is a belief factor. It's a faith factor. What Jesus did on the cross made us right in the eyes of God when we embrace Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. You put your faith in Jesus as the Messiah, and God takes you on this amazing journey. Would you bow your head all over this place? If that's you and you say, Jason, I need to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior today, I'm ready to start my journey. Just like so many people have already done this month, if that's you and you're here today, you say, I need to do that. Would you slip your hand up? I see your hand. Anyone else? Long enough for me to see it, put it right back down. I see your hand. Thanks. I see your hand. Thanks. Just slip it up and slip it right back down. By by virtue of you just confessing Jesus Christ right now, the Bible says that his love and grace and mercy are flooding your soul. I want to pray with you if you raised your hand. And when we're done with church today, would you please go out to the tent and get a Bible and a devotion? If, and there are people out there that will talk with you if you would like to. If you're shy and you, you just don't like interaction like that, you can email us at startingpointatthecoastlinechurch.com and a pastor will get back with you and we'll get you some information that will help you on this decision. But right now, let's pray. Father, thank you for loving me and thank you for chasing me. And at this very moment, I'm confessing in my heart, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the one true Son of God. He was born of a virgin. I believe that he, he lived a sinless life. I believe that He took my sin to the cross. He died on that cross. They placed Him in a grave and He rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe that He's in heaven. He's my advocate. He's coming back for me one day. And so right now, I give you my life, God. And I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. They're flooding my life at this very moment. Help me, God, to get involved in a life group, to get people around me, Lord, that 
that can help me in this new journey. In Jesus' name, amen.